0: Welcome back to the Mel Kay show. This is a very exciting show for me. I have been following my guest today. You all know Mike L., my, my uh, great science partner in technology and big pharma insider. But uh, we have both been following our special guest today. He is breaking some amazing, mind-blowing news out there. And he is a fearless truth teller. And I'm honored to welcome Ashton Forbes to the show. Thank you for joining me, sir.
1: Thank you both for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Um, we both, uh, months ago, he sent me uh, something of yours, I think I'm from Twitter. And he goes, have you seen this? And I said, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I started becoming a Ashton Forbes fan and follower. And it's been quite a journey you've been on. So uh, before we get into that, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your background and then we'll delve into some of the stuff you're working on.
1: Well, uh, I like to say that I'm just a normal guy. I was never really that interested in social media, uh, you know, six months ago and that uh, I've worked in healthcare I.T. pretty much my whole life, my whole career. And, um, you know, these uh, some videos had reemerged on social media that I started looking into, and it seemed uh, very authentic, very difficult to uh, kind of fabricate. And so I uh, started looking into them until the topic got centered. And this topic is on the uh, missing Malaysian plane uh, flight 370 disappeared almost 10 years ago. Um, and so I essentially became a citizen journalist. That's just a self-appointed title. I don't think that I'm necessarily anybody special, but I have been digging into all of the past history, news articles, press releases, every single thing that we can find regarding that plane for the last five months. I even went ahead and put together my own organization called MH370X, kind of in the same vein as this independent group that's out there of these uh, independent uh, experts that looked into the plane. But um, it's volunteers that have been kind of digging up anything that we can find. Everything that we've been looking into has been uh, open source, publicly available. Wow. We don't have any secret information that we're looking into. And that's kind of the amazing part about this investigation is that I think we're setting a template for how the community and just kind of normal people can go out there, use open source information to present extremely strong and compelling case for Um, things that are mysterious, things that potentially could be conspiracies or just anything that's interesting at all.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, the world has changed so much, obviously, since the advent of uh, what I call the COVID operation. And uh, what is now uh, coming out about many, many, many things over decades of time are that conspiracy theories tend to have a lot more uh, truth to them than we've been uh, exposed to. So what you're doing is really important because I think everyone remembers that story. And then it was kind of like, what happened and, and kind of people memory hold it, but it was one of those stories over the last few decades that people really always, if you bring it up, everyone immediately knows what you're talking about. So, um, mm-hmm. Mike L, why don't you start with uh, your thoughts from back then and what you thought, and then you saw his work on this and you had, um, you had, you had sent it to me cause you were like, cause you had been following it too. Cause you're, you know, an interested guy in this kind of stuff as well.
2: Yeah, so first and foremost, Ashton, uh, I want to uh, commend you for, for, you know, stepping out and really doing uh, a really good investigation, you know, that, that you did. You know, I look at a lot of videos. People are always sending me information. I bet a lot of them. Uh, it's rare that I actually send anything to to Mel and say, hey, look at this, look at this, even though we're communicating back and forth. And I really took a hard look at your, your, uh, your presentation. I've seen it in many, many different forms. Uh, I thought you did an excellent job. I, I I believe also that you covered a lot of really good questions that would typically be asked uh, of of this. A couple of the things are very in line with things that I found. I keep looking at my notes because I've got a ton of notes here mm-hmm. uh, from from some of the stuff that you've done. But uh, a lot of this stuff kind of overlaps some of the science things that I bring to to Mel's presentations. Her and I've been working together you know, for over three years now. And uh, every couple of weeks I come on after I've done research in different areas. Some of it is in torsion fields, uh, uh, different types of magnetic fields uh, research. Uh, and so I'm really excited that some of the compelling information that you've brought forward is in in strong alignment with some of the stuff that we've talked about on this show. So yeah. now, Ashton, um,
0: tell people again mm-hmm. for anyone that might not know. So tell people what happened. So, yeah. the the plane and then we'll get into what we think might have happened after that
1: perfect so the first thing and with respect to this plane when it went missing is you know this was nine years ago i was an adult when this all happened i think you guys were as well but people who weren't maybe not don't know how much obfuscation there was especially in the early days and weeks after this plane went missing you would think if some plane crashed that we're gonna find it the next day that people would be putting all the information out there the next day making it public and that's not what happened at all It was the exact opposite is that no information was made public. You had these Malaysian Minister of Defense, Minister of Transportation going to these press conferences, not answering any questions. Basically saying, oh, that will come out in the course of the investigation. We're sitting here wondering, are there people on a raft in the middle of the ocean somewhere? Like, what's going on, right? They have a search in the South China Sea for five days. So this plane takes off from Kuala Lumpur, and it's heading northeast towards Beijing. 40 minutes into the flight, it just goes dark. Now, people probably don't remember this, but early on, we thought like, OK, maybe it went to like Vietnam or something right. like no one had any idea. And that's why they're looking in the South China Sea, because that's when it went dark. And so they thought that's where it crashed. And then it wasn't until days later that the Malaysian government comes up and says, oh, well, no, we were tracking it on radar with our military radar even after it went dark and it flew back over Malaysia and people are going, wait, what? Like you knew that it flew back over Malaysia and you're having a search in the South China Sea for days. Like, how does this make any sense? Mm-hmm. And so then the the search moves over to the andaman sea in the straits of malacca which is on the west side of malaysia because this plane they say oh it turned back around and we find out later not only did it turn back around it went directly to penang airport which would be the closest airport you would go to in an emergency maintenance situation and that idea was floated early on this it could be a maintenance issue and then they argued well maybe it was a hijacking scenario because it's a post 9 11 world and we're all thinking it right And then the plane for some reason deviates it doesn't just keep flying it doesn't land in penang but it deviates and turns towards the andaman sea now people probably didn't really follow what some of the kind of whistle i wouldn't say whistleblowers but people who are trying to expose the uh the absurdities of this mentioned that there's these military exercises going on right there in the andaman sea between thailand and the united states so this plane is flying out there and then we get these radar, these uh, satellite pings from a company called ImmerSat, and this doesn't get released until five or six days after the plane goes missing. I believe March thirteenth was the first time where unnamed U.S. Uh, sources came out and said, "Oh, we think the plane flew into the uh, South Indian Ocean," and we're going, "Wait, South Indian Ocean? We were we were looking in the South China Sea. Now we're looking in the Andaman Sea over the west. But now you're saying we're down by Australia somewhere?" like why is there so much uncertainty and nobody's putting their name to this at all it's not till weeks later that immersat releases a select set of data that they say that okay this somehow means the plane went into the south indian ocean so now we have a flight path where we're going northeast we cut back across malaysia going west we go northwest towards the andaman sea towards the nicobar islands and then it just takes a hard cut south and goes down into the south indian ocean and somehow no country's radars catch it. Thailand right. doesn't see it. Indonesia doesn't see it. You've got Australia that's got okay. t- this radar system called the Jordan system, which can see for like hundreds and hundreds of miles. Nobody catches this plane. And then these IMSAT pings pretty much convince all of the experts that are out there that this plane must have crashed into the South Indian Ocean. Now, I would say, and... I'm somebody who I refer to myself as a recovering CNN brain, somebody who used to just believe whatever yeah. the team yeah. told yeah. us, right? right? And I even thought early on in this investigation, that must be what happened. Right. But here's the main problems with it is we had no radars from like four different countries. There's three military bases that should have seen it from takeoff to where it supposedly crashed. Diego Garcia, Pine Gap in Australia. And there's a Cocoa Island signals intelligence base, like right there in the Indian, South Indian Ocean as well. Right. They all would have seen it on radar. We have no debris gets found at all. They search in the South China Sea, Andaman Sea, they search in the South Indian Ocean. They've got 80 boats and planes searching from like over 10, 15, some some say is I maybe mean, it's 20 different countries. Don't find one piece of debris. We even have submersibles searching underwater entirely along this arc. They find nothing at all. Yeah. Right. So a year goes by. We go, okay, how is this even possible? There's no acoustic detections. So this Titan sub that popped recently, and they it's a tiny little sub, right? And it imploded. The Navy's going, yep, we knew exactly where that was, and we're going to go pick up the debris. And oh, yeah, we didn't tell you for five days, right? And there was no acoustic detections from two different hydrophones as well, one in Diego Garcia and one in Western Australia. And we didn't find any black boxes. We should have found those as well. And there's no witnesses that see it, even though this is an active shipping route. No one finds even one piece of the debris the the experts out there say well this plane was crashing at fifteen thousand feet per minute which is a very fast rate of descent and they say that it would have shattered into a thousand pieces but then they go oh well it all sank but that's not how it works the no, planes are made awful. of plastic they've got right. luggage bodies right, exactly it's going to yeah. spread out on the water we're going to be seeing it from space and then the biggest thing that kind of throws Kind of proves that this is definitely a conspiracy regardless of what you think about these mh370 videos out there is that as part of this investigation we found that there's satellites everywhere the united states had right. satellites everywhere lockheed martin has a system right. called space-based infrared system that's if you watch the video on it, it's global persistent infrared surveillance and you could watch it you're literally scanning the whole world 24 7. right so there's yeah. no chance they wouldn't have seen the plane no chance they wouldn't have seen the radars So something right away is off with this.
0: Right. Michael showed me that recently. I I, I think after you saw that, he showed me all the satellites all over. Uh, You know, now we have also Space Force now. But what did we have then? But at the same time, you know, I, I, I come from Hollywood for 20 years. So for me, I remember when Lost came out. And then yeah. you're thinking about lost. And you're like, well, that must be what happened to the Malaysia Air airline. And remember, that was for energy and all this stuff. And when they missed it up and it, you know, so a lot of people thought, well, maybe that's what happened. Or but honestly, this is this is so bizarre because now after the the events, and you put this out also, people involved were very shady. They weren't, they were saying things and doing things that added up to a, a cover up, apparently. And this is not, you know, especially after nine eleven, but I've also had people that um looked into t- um TWA flight uh seven hundred, mm-hmm. I believe, as well. A, a big yeah. cover up also. So Mike, was that what you were showing me when you were showing me all the um satellites and the radar and everything that's surrounding the earth right now? That there's they have so much technology up there that you can't miss anything
2: basically. No, I actually uh, I did. uh, I took one of Ashton's actual uh, portions of his video. One of the things that really stood out to me was those infrared uh, satellites, because there's actually more to those than than meets the eye. Because what they're also doing is they're seeing into different light spectrums that you normally would not pick up. So, uh, you know, the big question there is, is what else were they looking for? And so, you know, I kind of broke down Ashton's uh, slides, uh, and, I, and I sent it over to her. I said, "You got to look at this, right?" Yeah. Uh, I had already gone through it with a fine tooth comb, and there's a lot of very interesting things and little notes that you uh, had presented. And uh, so, I'm really kind of looking forward to to the audience seeing what you've done and what you've accomplished. And there's some really interesting points in there. I'd like to kind of touch on when we get to them, if that's okay with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I- so oh, continue. I have a. Yeah, so I just want to address some of the things you just mentioned there in terms of the shadiness of it. So first of all, people were already skeptical of this idea that we couldn't have seen it on satellite out there. You have Don Lemon famously goes on CNN and asks about black holes. And then this Department of Transportation lady says, oh, well, even a small black hole would suck in our entire universe, which is completely wrong. But why is Don Lemon even asking about black holes? It's just odd. Right. And then you have Diane Feinstein, actually. Uh, she goes on another CNN uh, piece, which I found a few weeks ago. Wow. And, and she's getting asked directly by the host going, how come we aren't able to find stuff with our satellites? And they pull up the bin Laden raid satellite images where you can like see people in cars. Right. Right. So we have he- like really amazing resolution. And she just says, like, oh, well, I can't speak to the capabilities and stuff like that, and obfuscates the answers. The press conferences, I really suggest people go rewatch the early press conferences after the plane went missing to the Malaysian um, uh, officials. They get straight up asked by a New York Times reporter, is it even possible to turn off all the electronics on a plane? And their response is, well, we'll have to go look into that. And he's like, well, isn't that just like a really simple question? Like, can you actually turn them off or not? Because- if you can't, then obviously that would like you know lead you to a one conclusion versus another. Yeah. And it turns out like no, you can't. Like the Rolls Royce engines, you can't turn those off. They're supposed to be pinging. So on day five, the Malaysian Minister of Defense gets just straight up asked, "There's U.S. spy satellites over the regions. Are we in touch with them? Yes, we're in touch with them. Yes." Oh, wow. And then gets asked a follow up, says, "What about Rolls Royce? They would have an engine data that would be transmitting." And I've looked into it. People have argued that that would be transmitting every 15 seconds. Even if they didn't sign up for the package to have the monitoring going on, that's still, they still should have been pinging. And they said, yes, they were in touch with Rolls-Royce too. Rolls-Royce never made their data available. And I was planning on reporting as well soon that Rolls-Royce and Boeing, they retracted a statement that had they had pushed out there in the days after, saying that they were skeptical whether or not the plane would keep flying for another five hours. So presumably they were looking at some data when they made that assessment and then all of a sudden they pulled it back and when the Immersat data came out said, oh, no, okay, we're just going to be quiet now and let this Immersat data come out. So, yeah, the the thing that I want to really impose on people is just the huge amount of obfuscation that went into it. The last thing on that front that I'll say is there is a Four Corners interview that was done with that same Malaysian Minister of Defense by an Australian reporter. It's one of the most enlightening and unintentionally hilarious interviews I've ever seen. Right. You guys should go watch it. I will. Because he won't answer any questions. Like he gets asked straight up, like, when did you get made aware when the plane went missing? And he's like, does that matter? <laughs> I mean, this is an interview, right? Like it's like if you had cad me on and I wouldn't answer any questions, right? Yeah. And, And she's like, this is not controversial. Like, this should be basic questions. But he doesn't want to ask because he doesn't want to get pinned down in a lie. Right? And then they get asked, like, why not send up the jets to fact track the plane? And he's like, oh, would I shoot it down? And she's like, no, you would just track where the plane's going. Right? Like, very obvious stuff. It's a hilarious interview. But it goes to show, and the whole time, the guy's sweating, like, touching his face nonstop, looking over to the left and smiling and laughing all the time, like, completely bizarre behavior
0: weird and this is you know this is what i'm saying i feel like there's been so much of this over the last several decades and people never go as far it's going to take people like you to keep digging into this so what so it does appear was this um and now with all that you worked on was this a uh united states uh, situation was this, our military, our department of defense in a joint venture or what, what, where does the U S play into this? Because clearly, um, yeah. the coverage in the United States was seemed to be in my opinion, cause I did look back at some of it is straight up propaganda. So somebody's covering things up actively in real time. As soon as this went down.
3: Mel Kay here looks like X is going to be the front lines for the battle for 2024 so I am back on X see me at the Mel Kay show at Mel Kay show at Mel Kay show and I will see you at X on the front lines as we march into 2024 and turn this country around see you at Mel Kay show
1: Yeah. And I would say, first of all, I'm a patriot, but at the same time, I'm directly implicating the United States in the disappearance of this plane. I'm just, that's where the evidence has led to. Um, I don't have any, you know, intentions on terms of how this was going to play out. But when we looked at the videos, one thing that we noticed right away was that they had smoke coming out of the back of them. And this plane's flying very low, lower than you could have contrails forming. So this led me and there was coordinates in these videos and the coordinates of these videos indicate the Nicobar Islands, which is the agreed upon flight path of this plane before it turns into the South Indian Ocean. So this led me to a woman named Catherine T who was in that exact location and saw the plane and she's been discredited, even though no one can explain why she's discredited. She sees a glowing orange plane flying low with no navigation lights the exact time when the plane was overhead. I mean, it's just kind of like how how did she not see the plane, right? And I'm sitting here wondering why is the plane glowing orange? You know, I I was wondering could it be related to these videos where we see these orbs circling around the plane? But it didn't really make any sense because she didn't see any orbs. These orbs we see in the videos are moving extremely fast, so this plane's not outrunning them if these if these videos are real. And so then uh, some investigators had speculated. Well, what about the bromine and the Halon gas, the fire extinguishing gas that's out there? Turns out, the chemical reaction from the Halon 1301 can release bromine, potentially if you're pouring water on it, you know, trying to battle this fire that's out there. and bromines a halogen gas. And if you look at these halogen gases and bromine in general in the videos that are out there, it looks like a seeping gas that kind of disperses around. So if you imagine they're fighting a fire for uh, slightly over an hour, and you're pouring water on it, which is what you're supposed to do for these lithium-ion battery fires. Then potentially the whole plane is permeating with this orange gas, which was then what KT is seeing. And that's what she described to me when I got in touch with her, is this like halo-like effect or this haze kind of around the plane. Oh, wow. And that this plane was flying low and descending, which was consistent with what we saw in the videos. So then I start looking back and going, huh, what about the other witnesses? Right. turns out every single witness that I can find in the old reports all basically corroborate a fire event. You have Mike McKay on an oil rig that say, claims to see the plane in the far off distance right above the horizon at the same exact time where the plane goes dark. And this is consistent with when we looked at the ATSB report, we found there was 487 pounds of lithium ion batteries on this plane. Two pallets of put those out either. You know no. those
2: lithium uh, uh, batteries, you're gonna uh, you're at best you're gonna contain it. So exactly that, that's where you're gonna see all that glowing and you could see it for a consistent amount of time, right?
1: Yeah. And so yeah. we've looked into a whole side the whole thing about it. And the right. whole thing is sketchy. We can even find Dr. Edel, who's an expert. Uh he he had a Daily Beast article about his analysis, which actually came to the same conclusion back then. And I didn't even know that even existed until after we had already proposed the idea. And it turns out that yes, runaway lithium ion battery fires were relatively unknown in 2014. They get lithium ion batteries get banned in the cargo bay of passenger planes in 2015 by the FAA. There's one wow. per week even after. They've banned. there were 74 incidences of lithium ion f- battery fires in the United States on domestic flights just last year alone. That's in the passenger area. That's right. like someone's you know, cell phone. Right. That's not 400 pounds of them stacked up. And if you look at how they were packaged, not only were they not screened and this all this information like comes out weeks, years later. Right. It doesn't come out like right away because. It'd come out in the days after everybody's going to go. That was a lithium ion battery fire. That's why they turned towards Penang. They're going to the nearest airport. They're comedy the seven seven seven. There's even a wired article arguing that an electrical fire made the most sense, and they were close. It's not an electrical fire. It's a runaway lithium ion battery fire. So Mike McKay sees it. Uh, they try to dismiss him, saying he's too far away. But it was perfect conditions that had just rained, which means that in, in you know near the equator, there's a lot of haze. I lived in Singapore for a time, which is right next to Malaysia. And when the rain comes down, it's like you can see clear as day after that. And he may even be able to see the reflection of the, the fire potentially bouncing off of the, the ocean and be able to see this. And he even says that. His sighting gets misreported as a crash, probably because he saw it so low, but he's actually seen a plane that's at like 40,000 feet in the sky. It's just that it's so far away. And he only sees it on fire for a few seconds, five to 10 seconds, he says, and then it goes out. So again, consistent with this idea that they're battling this, that the automatic fire extinguishing devices in the cargo bays immediately deploy. They put the fire out, but these lithium ion battery fires, they're like the trick candles. They just keep coming back up. So people will argue, well, the plane should have burnt down. It shouldn't have been able to last, right? But that's also not true because it's being mitigated and then it's coming back up again. The The cargo bays are actually built to withstand fires as well. So if the fire was completely uncontained, absolutely. But if it's contained, now you have the situation where the gas is permeating and it's lasting for an hour. The other witnesses, real quick, that corroborate this, nine witnesses along the coast hear loud noises the exact same time Mike McKay sees the the burning plane. And then 10 minutes later, there's eight fishermen on a boat 10 miles off the coast, and they see this plane flying really low. A bunch of people after I did my Tim Pool podcast were posting the replies, oh, I'm a pilot. And that's exactly what you do in that type of scenario. You might try to you know, increase the altitude, to have less oxygen, and then fly low because if the plane's depressurized or you need to depressurize the plane to battle the fire, yeah. then you want to fly low to keep the passengers alive, give them enough oxygen to be able to breathe. So we have all these witnesses, 19 different witnesses. That all corroborate this same exact event, and I'm just sitting here wondering how is this? When they bring up the stories of MH370, how are they not talking about the fire scenario? Wow!
2: Actually, and uh... did you speak with those
1: those witnesses personally. Sorry, go ahead. did you speak I, with those witness persons? I spoke to Catherine T. She's the only one I've spoken to personally. Okay. Everybody's all the rest have been, you know, they're well documented in terms okay. of you can see the CNN articles and right. every other article about them. I think there's probably even more. Right. Uh, I think I remember early on that there were people arguing that I think they lived on the peninsula of Malaysia, saying they saw the plane flying low. But I can't find any documentation to support it. You know, nine years later now.
0: This yeah. is very disturbing because I've had on both uh, Captain Al Francis, a TWA 30 year pilot, and uh, Jack Cash, both wrote but um, one did a And one did a really thorough presentation on flight 800 off of New York and what really happened there. And a lot of this sounds very similar to that. Uh, because something happened there, and it was again uh, it's some kind of giant cover up. But it does appear in that case as well that there was a mistake by our military of some sort. Uh, do you believe that this was some kind of test? Was it a mistake? Was it an accident? What do we think happened yeah. on that plane? Was it were they testing something that we don't know about? Because yeah. I'm telling you that Flight Eight Hundred sounds very similar to this. I mean, it's different, That's... but I'm talking that the cover up sounds very similar.
1: Always, yeah, and. I'm under the impression that TWA Flight 800 was shot down by our military right. um, and that that's, we've covered so, that's it up. That's what
0: they came to, too, both both of those men in their conclusion. And
1: I would love to say that I think that that's what happened to this plane. But unfortunately, I think that if a plane had been shot down in cruising altitude or even 10,000 feet, the debris field is going to be even bigger than if it crashes into the ocean. There's just no way to hide it. It's not like you can quarantine off hundreds of miles of ocean, right? There's boats everywhere. Some people would have picked up a bunch of debris. So that snare just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, right. It makes less sense to me than that. But I absolutely do think the United States government is complicit in this. Um, not only were they working closely with Malaysia, White House was calling every day. Right, the French is, yeah. dad who lost his wife and children was told that the Americans had AWACS in the area and they knew exactly what happened in the plane, which is consistent with the plane flying directly past the Cope Tiger exercises yeah. that are right there in the Andaman Sea.
0: Yeah. Um, also interesting, that- um, you bring up the the lithium battery whole aspect of this. That's very bad for the Green New Deal people, uh, I guess, <laughs> to think that 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 would be a problem like that. But again, um, there is reason to not want people to know what happened here for many many reasons. Um, where where has there ever mm-hmm. been debris found at
1: all? Yeah. So over a year later. A few pieces of the debris get found by a guy named Blaine Gibson. This covered pretty well in the Netflix documentary. This other guy, Jeff Wise, who's responsible for this narrative of this pilot's suicide, which I think he had to partially retract because it turned out that this um, simulator data actually just matched a a, a flight path that the guy was planning on flying like the next day. It wasn't a matter of like some rogue flight path that he he, he put in there. It was like literally just MH150. So Jeff Wise then vilifies in the Netflix documentary this guy that finds this debris because... Jeff Wise's pet theory is that the plane went to Russia, okay? Um, which is pretty absurd because there's even more, like no way to hide all like 20 countries' radar signals of this plane going to Russia. It's already hard enough to argue why four different countries right there in Southeast Asia didn't see it. Right. Um, but well, those Bola are all connected to the United blame States. Russia. That, that's the,
0: the plan <laughs> yes. for the last 30 that's years. That's the old
1: 2016 CNN brain exactly, full exactly. effect, right? Right. So he tries to claim this Blaine Gibson guy is some kind of spy master or something like that. Well, the scenario that I've put forth is actually consistent with the tiny amounts of debris that Blaine Gibson has found. And only three pieces of this debris has been tied to the plane. And people that are out there, especially people that watch the media, they don't realize that they didn't use a unique serial number to tie this like giant flap, not giant, it's only an eight foot long flapper on. The wings of these 777 are 100 feet long on each side. And we found one piece of one eight foot debris, right? And they use a part number, not a unique serial number because the unique serial plate was just magically missing off of this. Uh-huh. Now... It's not consistent with the videos that we see, because in these videos, we see this very anomalous, you could call it UFO event, whatever you want to call it. But we see this plane just disappear. Right. right? And I was thinking that it was some kind of annihilation event, like a shoot down, but like some type of antimatter where the plane's just disappearing. Um, And I've talked to scientists and engineers about it. They said, well... It's technically possible, but it's 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 less likely. I thought, well, maybe it's cloaking. That would be pretty easy to sell to people that we've got some kind of cloaking technology. But in these videos, the smoke stops the moment this plane disappears. Yeah, yeah so If they were yeah, cloaking it, it would keep going, right? So I would love for it to be cloaking. It really would It'd be easier sell than what I'm about to say, which is uh, macroscopic phase conjugation, a superluminal event, Uh, teleportation is the layman's terms for it. And I'm not talking Star Trek dematerialize, rematerialize the plane. I'm talking about Star Trek warp drive, like the ability to actually achieve light speeds of a macro scale object, which requires mass reduction means like a bubble in space time, essentially around the plane or a phase change. I mean, it is scenario... kind of
0: Star trek but, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. again, <laughs> I just recently watched Oppenheimer and, you know, anything's possible, quite honestly, if you if you have the ability. Now, Michael and I have done many shows about mm-hmm. um, unidentified uh, objects, and, and there's been a lot of talk about it in the last two years. But um, we also went through the whole uh, Stephen Greer presentation and some other things that have, have been out there. And uh, so, Mike, talk a little bit about, about some of that stuff, how that fits into what he's talking about, because you've done really extensive work on um, unidentified objects out there that, the, that may or may not be our government, including anti gravity um, uh, advancements that they are might be very well hiding from us, all the way back to Tesla technology through uh, multi yeah. uh, dimensional stuff.
2: Yeah, this has been uh, uh, been. You know, we've done a ton of shows on these uh, Ashton. Where I've been uh, researching this stuff. This stuff started back in 1920, but 1950 was the cut date where a lot of things really started to to happen. And you know, the the anti gravity term. Uh, it's really more a trans dimensional term where you're phasing in and out uh, within uh, dimensions, which opens up a great deal of opportunity because you know time isn't linear. So a lot of things could happen. So a lot of the kind of things that you were talking about with these discs as they're coming through, um, you know, the, the average speed of our fighter jets right now, I think, is like 5.4, Mach 5.4. These things are coming up and matching that speed of a few hundred miles an hour and matching and going around it. And that's where it starts to create this 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 event where uh, you're getting like cold fusion coming through this thing and, and coming through. It's an amazing video that you were able to put together. Uh, and it's right in line with what we've talked about uh, many times on on this show with 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 Mel. So yeah. I'm really excited to the crowd can see this.
1: It's really gonna be exciting. Well, what, yeah, so let what, me address a few, oh, Yeah, go ahead. go
0: ahead. Please, please. Go ahead. Obviously. Oh, so yeah. So uh,
1: the, just to quickly go back and then get to the science part is that so the debris that's out there, a couple pieces of debris that were found actually have burn marks on them consistent with Boeing, uh, with Boeing honeycomb pattern on them. And it's just like how people dismiss these debris pieces that have burn marks on them. Oh, but they then want to say this somehow proves the plane crash in the ocean, which if you add up all the debris, it's like far less than 1% of the plane. So we didn't we didn't find a plane but it's consistent with this idea of a fire scenario, as well as a superluminal event where the plane goes from one place to somewhere else on the earth. Then, you know, the p- pieces could have fallen off of it while it's burning. It could have been disassembled. There's a lots of explanations, right? Now, am going to Oppenheimer, because uh, I've dug into the science part. What I want to say to your audience here, too, is that I'm not really somebody that believed in like really, really advanced science before all of this. But when I started talking about these videos and And discussing them, I had scientists start sneaking into my DMs. I reached out to a man named Salvatore Pius, who has some patents out there that are called UFO patents, but they're really, in my opinion, just advanced science patents. And I set up a podcast because he wanted me to interview him. And so I've got multiple scientists who are saying this is consistent. What we see in the videos is consistent with theoretical physics and science as they know it. These people have NDAs and they can't say exactly what they're thinking, but they, oh. I, I, they've I, they alluded to the point that they, what we're looking at here is real and, and consistent with what they work on. You know, and the Oppenheimer thing is like, that's the 40s where we dropped the I nuke, know. right? Yeah. It's 2024 now. That was 80 years ago, right? So do people really think that we haven't really advanced at all in 80 years? So- all right,
0: well, it's like people saying, uh, well, we went to the moon once
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and we never tried we again, it. is it? is that possible no reason no
1: no, no. So and then,
0: this, this is really important the one thing we do talk about is hidden yeah. technology and i think you're more yes. of a patriot for digging this out because the reason our country is so messed up in my opinion i feel like from jfk forward if not before we have been lied to over and over and everything's covered up and then the people are all compromised that covered up the first thing and i do i've done a lot of shows also on darpa and incutel and And all of this stuff. So there is a lot of technology out there, as Michael's shown on my show many times, starting in Nazi Germany forward. There is a lot that we don't know. And you've been especially vocal about that lately, that a lot of this technology, you know, this does also go back to Tesla and and whatever they stole from him. um, Free energy is a big problem. Like I said before about the lithium, what you were talking about, the lithium being flammable and possibly uh igniting yeah it's a big problem and and again lithium is a big part of the whole green new agenda is like this is so much better for us and it, actually it's the opposite in terms of you can never get rid of it <laughs> and it's terribly toxic but um in terms of that mm-hmm. michael uh you were talking about maybe this fits into that sometimes we delve into antarctica because i find whatever is going on down there to be interesting but um, you've been talking about some of this hidden technology that you believe is, is already well known that actually came out of Germany and maybe Operation Paperclip that they've continued to perfect all these years.
2: Yeah, uh, two things. One real quick, Ashton, one of the ways that they keep you quiet is they put an NDA on you and then they mm-hmm. extend it. So the only other way to get around that is during an interview trying to or interview someone else to try to get you to that, that point. That's some of the struggle. Um, that, that you're facing here is, is getting that. And so if you go back into looking at some of this technology and as long as it's going back, this stuff started back in the fifties. And, you know, the rule of thumb is, is by the time we see it in the public, it's already been out there like 50 years. So we're about at least 50 years, uh, in terms of advancement here within, within the public. Uh, I remember when the the B-52 bomber and the stealth were coming out, and they were interviewing some of the generals. They said, "You know, why are you telling this to the public? Because you know this is technology." He goes, this stuff is so outdated that that's why we're bringing it forward. Right. I mean, that's how far advanced this technology is. And when you hear a lot of these, uh, what do they call them? U- UAPs now?
1: UFOs? Yeah, yeah. that's the new term. I just call them UFOs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always do just because
2: they 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 mean that's what they are. But yeah, you know, there's there's two versions of that. You you look at a lot of these are ours. And yeah. this goes back to your statement, if I, if I may, when you were talking about the infrared and the, uh, the satellites going through there. So the visual, the visual eye is a 1% spectrum. So there's a ton of things that are out there that we don't see. And there's actually goggles that came out during Vietnam where they were seeing into other dimensions based on different light frequencies. I've been in that and working on it, even in my own lab here, for uh, a couple of years now. And so these satellites are picking up things that are beyond the, the visual spectrum that you're talking about now in terms yeah. of it. it's not necessarily cloaking, it's different frequencies, which yeah. is right in line with what you're you're talking about. And you've done yeah, some so excellent I, work okay. on that.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, a few things that uh, you guys have brought up a lot of really good points. And this is stuff that I've independently kind of come to the same conclusions on regarding the technology is first of all, Dr. Greer, I had kind of mixed feelings about him before all of this. And I've started to realize that all these people have really just been discredited that are out there. I think he's been telling the truth for the most stuff. I have a hard time believing the ambassador Bijou from the Andromeda galaxy stuff, but he's out there talking about free energy, teleportation, over unity devices, all this stuff. And I'm going, actually, this is what my sources are telling me. This is what my investigation is showing me is Mm -hmm. real. It's all based on anti-gravitational tech and using the basis for that anti-gravitational tech in different ways to develop different stuff. I even think that JFK knew about this. It might even be why they killed him back in the 60s. I say that. Yeah, I think
2: so. Yeah,
1: the Lockheed Martin stuff. So I I think that Lockheed Martin's definitely hiding this. I think those might even be their orbs. We found a number of patents that seem to corroborate that if you put these patents together, you're getting these orbs that can float freely, that can create a room temperature superconductive uh, um, effect that allows them to displace themselves from space time. And what we see in these videos are not metallic orbs, although it could be underneath. We're seeing a barrier, non radiant barrier around them which is what's giving them this mass reduction capability where they are have zero mass and then they can create their own gravity wave, gravitation, uh, geodesic uh, is the correct term, I believe, where that pulls them forward. And to your point about the extra dimensions, like that's also consistent with what I've been mentioning in terms of like our reality is a projection upon a matrix, if you want to think about another extra dimension. And once you break through that, now this is how you can get the capability where you can go faster than what is relative speed of light for somebody who's an observer on the outside. Um, and then the cold Correct. fusions and the plasmas, this yeah. is also consistent with the um, uh, Bob Greenier. He's an engineer, and he's a research engineer, not somebody who is one of these celebrity people, right? He's actually out there doing the research. And he's saying that he did a whole piece on it before I even knew who he was saying yeah. that, yeah, the orb spinning, the monopole where we see the heat signature on the inside is consistent with what he's seen from experimental uh, physics and experiments. Um, and all of what I've concluded from this is that electrical engineering is the key. So to your point, again, it goes back to Tesla, and what right. Tesla had figured out that we live in an electric universe, and that electricity and magnetism explains everything, including dark matter as well. Yeah. So, you know, I the science part of it's the parts that have blown my mind. And that's why I spend a decent percentage of my time just researching electrical engineering and trying to understand electrical engineering
0: well you know michael michael remember you showed me those those panels that were like way far apart and between those two panels that it was like all energy and then we did a whole show on um all of these steeples all over europe and everywhere that were obviously it's something to do with energy at some time so you know a lot of this has to do with and we have to be honest about it that You know, all these years that we've been, you know, paying for energy and all these energy programs and the Department of Energy and this and that and then the regulations, you know, we might just be in a situation where anything but free energy uh, is the is the uh, game. And it's a lot of it's because they won't allow some of this stuff to go forward because it is hidden and and we're not supposed to know about it. Uh, It has a lot to do, I think, like everything else, because my show is about following the money. And uh, it's it would be a, a yeah. big big loss of money to the people that control the planet. I call them the 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 um parent company of planet Earth. Uh, would really lose a lot of money if uh, we did discover that energy was actually uh, free and accessible to everyone anywhere at any time. Uh, Michael, yeah, you want to talk about mm-hmm. your your findings? Because I remember we yeah. did a whole show on this.
2: Yeah, actually, One of the challenges mm-hmm. that you 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 have, and a lot of scientists have is they're trying to use the common laws of physics that as we know them to try to understand this which which you can't do because the the laws that have been established the laws of physics we continually prove them wrong and so when you take a set of laws and try to understand something that is that falls outside of that you know like free energy everything is in a locked system you can't you can't take that 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 approach so as soon as you step back and say okay well what other let's assume that they're wrong now it opens up a whole new paradigm shift of understanding this energy. And uh, torsion fields, uh, actual shapes will uh, uh, different types of shape actually create their own energy fields or energy forces. And so once you start to understand that, and we've talked about these with frequency, there was a show that I did with Mel. Uh, I'm going to talk about the, the the one in particular right. where they' they're beaming energy from one point up a mountain onto another where another shield is getting it. Uh, uh, there's an inversion, creating it into an electrical uh, a field, and then then sending it out. And you're talking up a mountain. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you start talking about the things that you're doing, it's all in line with, with, with these things. And so uh, we've talked about this on, on many occasions. The reason I brought you forward s- uh, so quickly to Mel was because this was completely in line with things that we've researched and talked about many times on this show. And it's just going to blow people's minds when they see some of the things that you're, you're going to show.
3: Yeah, Yeah.
1: And that's why the videos are so compelling is that they corroborate Great. not just science in general, but science that a lot of people have been saying has been hidden out there in plain yeah. sight. Yeah. And I would say it's not even a matter of throwing out the old physics. It's a matter of taking a new approach to the yeah. old physics. It's yeah. not that we're breaking the laws of physics. We're bending them. We're saying, you know what, if you have a closed system, yes, the laws of thermodynamics prevent us from putting getting more energy out than we put in. But if you open that system up and you realize that the energy of vacuum space of space time, there's energy in it, now you can borrow that energy, right? And now you can potentially have something like an over unity device. Yep. And if we think of our universe as a matrix and we go to the double slit experiment and we go, how oh, yeah. is it that the wave function breaks down by just measuring it? And then we realize there must be some underlying rules and structures to our universe that we don't understand right then once we think about that we think okay well can i cloak an object in that can i bubble put in a field around it and then be in that extra dimension of space-time itself or of uh, the matrix itself and if so now you can move faster than the speed of light and a couple other points, too, is that I've also found that I would call them fractal toroids, which is this idea that you have a donut shape. This is the, the mystery shape that allows for these uh, magnetic fields and electrical uh, pointing vectors to get to a point where we can have an amplification of energy. And when I mean fractal, I mean a donut within a donut. You take your donut and you make a donut out of the donuts and you do that to three or four layers. And now you get to a point where the fields are wrapping in on themselves so that if I were to shoot some type of electrical current through it, now it's kind of converging on a single point, uh, on a single vector. Um, At least that's my layman's terms. I'm trying to get better understanding it. And then in terms of why is this being covered up? Right. You know, because if this was a fire that happened to this plane, you need a pretty good reason for a cover-up. Now, videos that show advanced technology of plane teleporting, that's a pretty good reason. And to your point, I think there's definitely a socioeconomic uh, aspect to it, right? Like power and control over the populace, over the commoners, right? In terms of controlling the energy. And people go, well, why wouldn't we use this to zap Putin or whatever? Well, it's like, how does that solve the problem if you do? Somebody else is just going to take his place. And now you've put a target on yourself and you've shown the enemy your trump card, right? It's much better to keep selling old obsolete technology. Money is money, right? Doesn't matter if it's free energy or not. But the other part too is that not only can this technology, if it can teleport a plane, we can create force fields, we can create free energy, we can cloak objects, but we can also create doomsday weapons. And that's to me, is what the people who have the NDAs, uh, the people that are in those high positions, these UFO disclosure advocates, the reason why they are talking about alien bodies and crash retrievals and not talking about the technology it's because it's a matter of national defense, national security, yeah. right? If we can destroy the whole planet with a push of a button, and I'm not talking nukes, I'm talking like the whole planet getting wiped out in like a black hole, literally, then that's something where you really have to think twice about whether or not you reveal that. Even I think twice about it, honestly. So yeah, that's I- kind of my opinion.
3: Hey, guys, Mel Kay here. Another great thing you can find on our website, Show.com, is our partners page. We've vetted all these people. They are patriot businesses. If we are going to defund the cabal, we really have to stop giving them our money. So we've come up with a bunch of different partners that support us, support America. They build jobs, they build the economy parallel, which is what we need. So please go to our partners page, check everyone out. We got something for everyone there. And uh, they are patriots, we are patriots, you are patriots. We gotta all stand together going forward economy is a big way to fight and we can fight back by putting our dollars in the right places and not with the corporate entities that are trying to take our country down so remember to go over to look at our partners page we vetted everyone these are real patriots the best way to fight the cabal is to stop giving them your money we have a parallel economy we're building and you can be part of it go woke go broke we are done with that please go to our partners page everyone there is a patriot just like you
0: Yeah, I also think, though, that there is a level of... Um, we talk about this a lot, that there's a level of disclosure that is helpful. And then, of course, uh, reasons of national security has been overused. Classification, as we know, has been overused. Trusting the science after COVID, you know, really? You know, so when when Michael and I have talked in the past about the laws of physics, and maybe there are other, like you said, the bend them. Like, when did we stop doing this? But there's this also goes along with the um i believe what's happened to higher education in our country and the control of as we learned through COVID, also with this stuff is the control of grants and the control of experimentation and um like um Mike Mike talks about a lot how they silo out to different scientists at different universities, be it Stanford or MIT or wherever they're doing this kind of research to get to a next level where they can bend the, the physics or quantum physics or whatever to expand out and to evolve because it looks like a lot of the things that we've learned about a lot of this stuff, like Mike said, it's from the 50s still. Uh, you know, it's still that's why I always say to me, I go, So you tell me we never went back to the moon and they didn't go up there. And there was no reason to go back. And the guys that went there are dead or eighty, and we just decided it once was good enough. And that's absolutely not true. So, you know, when you look at a lot of this, you do think that a lot of this, whether it's DARPA or Incutel or any of the other groups or any of the military industrial complex groups, there still is a an amount of this science that could be very beneficial to humanity. Of course, we always talk about that science and technology in the hands of the wrong people is terrifying. But science and technology and things like this in the hands of the for the right people could change things in massive, great ways for humanity in general. And I think that's where we are right now in the terms of good and evil. So I don't think it's much of an accident that you would have stumbled upon this and dug so far in right now. I think it's in line with the awakening in many realms. But again, you know, we have to look at things as... Well, why did it stop and did it stop at all? And and where's the good stuff in it that could help humanity? I, I think that's what I always think when I think about this. And then, like I said, the grants and all of that, they might have one guy working on something at MIT or in Los Alamos or wherever they are, uh any base and they might have another guy working on something else and you know i i definitely think that the that nations work together i don't think that the space force is up there by themselves like i had on dean wigginton about um about yeah. weather manipulation and he's like no, no no it can't just be one nation over here manipulating mm-hmm. the weather it has to be a coordinated effort so you know that's that's where i am on all this is you know i understand the danger but at the same time, I think the people out there like you and anyone watching this and Mike and people that see that also need to look at, well, what is being held back that could actually be beneficial?
1: Yeah, and I think the reality is it's a Pandora's box, right? And that's why it becomes such a sticky situation. Um, I remember I was on a space actually where Kim.com was asking Dr. Greer about this, is why can't we just get you know the cure to cancer or whatever? Because it's not how it works. Like once you open this Pandora's box, you get everything everything comes along with it right and that's why we have to that's why I like this discussion right now cuz these are discussions that need to be out in the public is is it worth it what are the implications right. my opinion is that we can help billions of people on this planet who have nothing all the homelessness we can correct we can solve right away without you know removing the energy crisis entirely Um, I my what I've been told from people that I trust is that there are factions behind the scenes. Some of them are getting older. They want their children and grandchildren to grow up in a world where this technology is out there, a better world. Other ones potentially still think that we should keep it hidden because of, you know, this is our trump card. We don't want other countries to get it. We don't want a rogue faction like ISIS or something like that to get it where you could destroy the whole planet. So the point of the NDA is that's exactly what I've heard as well is that if you go and create a gravitational wave, if you're one of these people that bends the laws of physics, figures out that I can create a gravitational wave through manipulation of lasers or um, sometimes even sound apparently can create like miniature suns, lots of this stuff that then you get a knock on the door and your choice is you either become part of the DOD or you work as a contractor. But either way, we're making you sign an NDA and they yeah. will force people to retract papers as well. They, their own physicists will go out there and just bash people in the public and claim that the stuff's not real, even though they know it's real in the background. I'm talking about people like Eric W. Davis, Hal Putoff, et cetera, these guys that are the physicists and scientists directly connected to the government. Um, and to the propaganda point, right, that they will push propaganda. We've seen it in so many different avenues, especially in the last four years where they want people to believe, A, the the mainstream hard line, but they also want, from the disclosure perspective, for people to believe that nothing can be real, right? That everything is, you know, okay. these UFOs can't be real. Aliens can't be real, whatever. I personally don't really care that much about that stuff. But when it gets to the point where now people can't even accept science to be real because it's not what they were taught in school, that's when I think we reach a problem, because now let's say tomorrow that we would come out and CNN is going to go, yep, turns out you can teleport objects, I can teleport this coat can. First of all, people are gonna not believe it at all. Second of all, if they do believe, it, they're gonna start to have a breakdown because they're gonna start to realize they've been lied to their whole lives, right? And this the mental toll that puts on people is, is huge. The last thing I would say is that I found that it's not the individual patents and the individual science that's protected. You can find scientific papers that argue for a lot of these different aspects, but it's when you put them together, That's when it becomes a matter of national security and classification and and gets concerning. So I would I'd say that for the people out there that are open minded, like look and realize the little pieces are out there. The coherent matter wave beam from Lockheed Martin. Right. Like what can that really lead to? And take a look at Salvatore Pius's patents, because he kind of puts it together, but he's got to water it down so that there's you don't see the details. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, Michael, Um, what remember that book that you bought, that really expensive book and you were reading it? And a lot of this stuff was in that book and it was from like the 20s, right?
2: Yeah, it was the early 20s. Uh, uh And we've looked at those patents on shows before, too, yeah. uh, just so you know. But tell uh, him about, tell him
0: about that book from the 20s. I mean, this is mind blowing. Some of the stuff we're talking about right here, this guy's writing about like literally i think it was like even like 1918 and and all of that and then the book was totally erased because michael thinks that a lot Mm -hmm. of this stuff a lot of this these books a lot of this research was destroyed or, or or it's somewhere and it's not out there but that there were people before we're at this level of technology before the 50s even before back then that knew this i mean there's like we 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 did a whole show yeah. on all these steeples around the world that were obviously had something to do with energy and that that's like the 1600s right michael <laughs>
2: Yeah. So if you look at that uh, uh, on that particular note, right around the 1850s to early 1900s, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now and a lot of the physics that are coming out now is based on a lot of those those old uh, technology and the old research. So a lot of the, the research that I was looking at to try to get us to where, okay, if we were this far behind, why are we missing it? There's missing gaps in time. And with that is a lot of energy. So a lot of the books that I read talk about this technology that we're we're discussing now. They were looking at this stuff back in 1850. And there's books on it. I've got one book. It cost me hundreds of dollars. It was actually uh, from 1910. No. Yeah, And I, I know. It, it's it talks about all this stuff that we're talking about right now, it talks about this extra energy. And and I will point out too, if you go back and look at the periodic chart, that uh, pre 1910, it talks about ether, it had it on the periodic chart, and then it just disappears. So
3: yeah.
2: a lot of this stuff was known, it disappeared for a while, but then the 50s seemed to kind of propel us forward very, very quickly. And, you know, to to the point about the science, as soon as scientists in general, they want to try to to better humanity. You know, we all do. The challenge that you have is as soon as you come up with this type of technology, the first question that comes out is how can we weaponize it? And that's, you know, that's the big challenge that that we face. And so I do go back a lot to the very old research. Uh, I've been kind of thrown off that a couple of times where people say stay... You know, there's no value there. But when I'm looking at some of these books and then I'm bringing some of the science into some of Mel's shows, it's a lot of the stuff that these physicists are learning now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I want to kind of slightly bring it back towards the MH370 stuff because there was this creepy letter that appeared on YouTube on January 9th. I was made aware of it January 10th. It's called Diego Garcia whistleblower, a letter to Ashton Forbes. I saw that. And I I wouldn't blame anybody for believing that I must be connected to it because it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. But I will tell your audiences that I had nothing to do with this letter. Okay. And I listened to it like thirty-five times now because of how weird it is. One of the elements in there is it says that we've had this technology since the 1960s, and ever since then we've basically used it to make sure no other nation could get access to it. It has details in there that are coincide with my investigation and my reporting, but a lot of stuff that's like completely unique and made up that. So some of the information would be verifiable because some people may ask, well, why would they do this to this plane? Well, there was 20 free-scale semiconductor scientists and engineers on board this plane. Eight of them were Chinese, 12 were Malaysian. We've been able to connect these people directly to room temperature superconductive microchips and to microchips that are microcontrollers that are the size of a dimple in a golf ball, even smaller, right? We've been able to connect them directly to United States aerospace and defense. And this letter argues that these were defectors that... They had been turned by the Chinese, told to leave and started to steal the technology. And that we let this plan go in motion that we knew about it from December. The plane takes off in March. They are all connecting through Kuala Lumpur. They all get on the same plane, which is too many people from the same company to be on the same plane. Like every company, my company has a policy. It's like two or three people is the most. They got 20 people. And there's a Russian intelligence report that corroborates this weird YouTube video that says... China was planning on diverting the plane, but that, ru- that the United States Navy diverted it. And that's exactly the story this letter mentions. It says that we started the fire, United States government, presumably, that we put the lithium batteries on there, that they have a predictable burn rate, that we knew exactly what would happen, and that we used magic FedEx type technology. And it even goes into the details about the technology on here, um, saying that the foundation is not superconductivity, but superconductivity is a product of the technology, which then leads to these types of events like a teleportation event. And then in the early 2000s, quantum computing is what really allowed it to take off because apparently quantum computing allowed for this machine intuition AI that allowed us to operate in fast-moving environments. Like, I've been listening to this stuff going like, who even comes up with this? Like, this is so wild. And then it just starts making personal, saying like, your theory of there being a fourth orb that's entangled to the three orbs—it's like shooting the plane to the fourth orb location. It claims that I'm correct when we are making that theory. It says stuff like we've been talking about that you can use this to create unlimited power and other types of weapons that could disintegrate an entire um, a, an entire building. It talks about the meta structures themselves and that it even gives me a little hints. The scariest part, though, is when Get it goes, it "Hi, Ashton." impressive and i'm just like okay i'm freaked yeah, out that's totally <laughs>
0: scary it's like that's like a movie it doesn't even sound real i gotta go look at this video. yeah you but should
1: listen to it i it's gotta tell freaky. you something though but yeah. here's
0: the other thing about that is if this person knows this he's probably been living with this all this time uh like you said these are people that have ndas and uh you know probably figured out a way to send you a message over youtube that he can't be traced but michael's told me this many times especially when we were digging into early covid four years ago way before the vaccine and we were finding things and it was like you'd look and you'd see a patent and you trace it and the guy's dead and the, the scientist is dead and then you're like looking at another one and you're like that guy died too and then that yeah, guy di- I mean, this of bodies. Is- This is very dangerous stuff. And again, I I take a lot of this because of the timing back to probably Operation Paperclip. And it probably is something where, you know, multiple nations are doing things like this. But again, you know, that that YouTube video is crazy. It literally sounds like you're living in a movie.
1: It does. It feels that way sometimes with this. And it's hard to believe. And I can't tell if this is like a psyop either from our government or rogue government or if this is like some kind of stalker that's been following the case that knows enough about science to come up with this, but like- Or somebody involved,
0: somebody involved that has a guilty conscience and was like, finally, I don't have to do it. I can just put it on this guy.
1: And they straight up called me out because I had reported on this weird mall aliens thing that I think just ended up being a hoax. And they called me out twice for reporting on it. Like I I shouldn't waste my time on that. I'm like, man, this is very bizarre. Like they're upset that I was going into this. Wow. And they mentioned that this was like a huge, they're, they're, they go on the espionage route, that the United States was just showing China, we're your daddy, that we have this power out there. And I hadn't even been promoting that on the podcast. I've been promoting this idea that the United States was saving the plane that was accidentally on fire. And I think from the conspiracy angle, it makes a lot more sense that it would be espionage. It was just hard to put the pieces together. And this whole story puts them all together in a way where I'm even sitting here going, wait, hmm, maybe it really was espionage now, right? And it then gives me a little clue as well at the end saying there was somebody that went on Joe Rogan's podcast and that they, one of their friends had been working on an Island somewhere developing a rudiment or a different form of this technology and, uh, that they went back on Rogan's podcast, but it never aired. And so my followers. I know about that
0: show that never aired. Somebody told me about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then people knew right away and they're like, Hey, he's talking about, um, uh, uh, Car- Randall Carlson and Randall Carlson's friend, Malcolm Bendall and Malcolm Bendall's been in the Maldives on an Island for seven right. years, looking into plasmoid research. And I find out that Malcolm Bendall's hanging out that day when I got this letter with a guy named Bob Greenier, who was a guy who came on my Heart Truth podcast. Expl- he was the one who had, had said this technology matches exactly what I've been working on. Wow. And I sent it to him like, dude, I just got the weirdest thing. Like they're telling me I need to talk to Malcolm Bendall or, or whatever here. And I had never heard of either of those people, even though I know Bob Green, from interviewing him. And so I'm just sitting here like, man, this actually feels like I'm in the middle of some kind of movie. And I don't know what's up with it, but I'm just going along for the ride at this point, no matter how it ends up, right?
0: Yeah, but it sounds like the timing couldn't be better. I just I really feel like we're in Mm -hmm. some kind of different phase of humanity at the moment, and everyone's got to find their lane and do their part to be part of whatever is going on, because there is disclosure on all levels. Like you said, it's terrible. a lot of what I do is digging into money all the way back to, you know, before the First world War to now. And I'll tell you right now that plenty of what we know is false. And so much of our history is fake, especially in the last fifty years. And the crazy part is that I feel like there's a something above all of us, some kind of spiritual, Uh, you know, otherworldly, God, whatever it is, kind of lifting the veil on a lot of stuff at the same time in a way that's beyond any of our understanding. But people like you are coming out and being amplified um, naturally, like organically. You just started doing your thing, and people are like, do you hear what that guy's saying? But it aligns with what other people are saying. So I really think that we're in this disclosure phase that's beyond most of us, and I really do believe that whatever is happening with you is for the better, Uh, of of mankind because you're coming at it from such a skeptical like um genuinely interested place and like you said again and that's what that's why i said that i just watched oppenheimer again and i i read the that book a long time ago and all i keep thinking is that was the dilemma that they claim he had was you know we have the technology we have the ability i created it oh no i created it you know and so that's you know where where we find ourselves Amazing stuff. Any, any uh, last questions, Mike, before I left uh, Ashton, give his last uh, words and tell everyone where they can continue to follow his fascinating work.
2: Uh, no, I just want uh, to to add, uh, I, I think that that was a planned event. When I looked at the, the different pieces and how you did it, and you look at sometimes the way they d- they do those, those ops, that was, that was a planned event. Uh, uh, Those orbs when they come in, the way that they came in, they could have been staged or sitting and waiting for that particular uh, time and point in space. So uh, I really encourage people to kind of go in and look at at, uh, his work. He did an excellent job in his presentation on that. And uh, I, uh, to be honest, I really kind of tore it apart, tried to see if there were flaws in there. Uh, Well researched uh, and some great, great material. So really nice job.
3: yeah ashton
0: you're amazing uh fascinating stuff i don't know i think you've been chosen i don't know by whom uh but i think by the good guys if 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 that's any consolation uh can you tell my audience how to follow you where to find you i know this is all new and and you kind of got forced into this place but that's how life works right
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i've never been on tv at all and yet you know i've got a huge following now on twitter It, it does feel very surreal What I would say, if I could make a message to Congress real quick, is that I I don't think we need more UAP or alien body hearings. I think we need advanced technology hearings. I think we, when you follow the money, Mel, that's exactly what I think we need to do. We need to follow the money, understand why we can't pass an audit. We need to rip this technology from the Lockheed Martin, uh, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, Bigelow Airspace, Patel Institute, all these people that we're giving billions to, right? And If people want to see all of the evidence, you can find it on my Twitter page. That's the best place to follow me. It's at JustXAshton. I currently have all the evidence pinned to the top of my profile. There's even more that we haven't gone over here today. But I think we hit the main broad strokes. And you can also follow me on YouTube as well, which is also at JustXAshton. I've been streaming almost every night, either doing more investigative work, kind of rewriting some of the work that's out there or digging into the science. And we've got a really awesome community of really positive people. So it's been incredible. It's been an amazing journey. And I can't wait to see where this ends up.
0: Great. And uh, I'll have you back when you have some uh, when I see something else blow my mind, I'll reach out to you. But thank you so much. You're awesome. And and you're such a humble guy. And this is heavy lifting. And I'll tell you what, it's really important. I think way more important than we might even realize right now. Uh, So thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Thank you, Michael, for joining me. So I didn't feel so lost. Uh, And I'll see you both next time. Thanks a lot. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life and I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and i'm doing the show and i'm showing up at small events and big events and i'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods mel cake superfoods when i got involved with superfoods in the beginning i was not eating right i was not sleeping right i was not uh, it was mid covid so i wasn't really doing much and i was doing a lot of things wrong and then i found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal, I really wanted to detox, I wanted to help my immune system, I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick, while a lot of other people were, and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating, I don't have cravings, I don't eat late night. There is a whole protocol, it's so easy, it's laid out for you, you take it out of the box, it's there. All your foods taken care of all your nutrients all your energy all your protein it is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out superfoods changes everything it gives you a protocol it gives you a schedule you know what to do you know what you're eating you feel great you look great and your life's getting better and the one thing i know is you can go to the melk show.com go down to superfoods and you can start your journey because today is the day i will tell you i waited and i waited and then i started superfoods and within three months my entire life changed uh for the better more than i could have imagined melk go to partners page down to superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind change your body change your life so when you get Superfoods, that helps me. and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better, and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods, get over there now. There's no time like the present.
3: Oh, I hope you're enjoying
0: the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They, they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote,
3: and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they
0: reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life,
3: liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First
0: Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are gonna put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile,
3: Mel K Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me. And Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile and we hope you do too. Thank you so much.